0: You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Today we are in our final message in our series of You From Above. And I trust in, in many ways this has challenged you, your thinking, of what God's plan for your life is. His great plan, His plan that is bigger than you thought it was possible but slightly outside the bounds of what you thought you really wanted. Yes? We've looked at two passages of Scripture as kind of anchor verses for these last eight weeks. One being Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I know. Who says I know? Declares the Lord. The Lord. I know the plans I have for you. This is popping away for some reason. I don't know why. And maybe just I'll move, move location. Um, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I know it. Plans that are good to harm, to not to harm, but to prosper, to give hope in a future. But these plans, as we've also looked at is in Ephesians 3.20, are immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. Immeasurably more. I want you to say that word immeasurably. immeasurably. I want you to say it again, Immeasurably. Okay, that means it can't be measured, right? It's beyond measurement. God wants to do immeasurably more in your life than you could dare to dream or imagine. His plans for you are good. As we've journeyed over these last weeks, we've seen a very different view than naturally we see, right? When we enter this world and we live in this world environment, we have a, a, a worldview that says You know, we we need to have a good job. You need to live in a nice part of town. You need to have a nice car. You need to have kind of money in the bank. You need to have a good retirement fund. You need all these things. And that is the good life. And now there is some value in some of those things. It's good to have a house, you know, that you live in. It's good to have a reliable car. It's all those things are there's nothing wrong with them in themselves. But if that is our point and if that is our purpose of this life, we end this world with nothing and we stored up treasures that will only disappear when we're gone. The plans that God has for us are slightly different. They're actually pushed beyond the natural realm. They push into the spiritual realm and they call us to realms that you and I are not capable of in our own strength. And so we've looked at over these these weeks that there's greatness through servanthood Right. We want to be great in God's kingdom, but it doesn't come from us propelling greatness. It comes from us becoming the servant of all, becoming the slave of one another. There's strength, but it comes as we look at last week through our weakness. He wants you to be incredibly strong, but strength only is found in the weakness of ourselves. When we depend upon him for his, for his empowerment, we've looked at actually God wants us to move with incredible wisdom, wisdom of his spirit. But his wisdom is as foolishness to man. And the challenge for us is we are conformed. It's easy to be conformed to the patterns of this world. Right? But we need to be conformed to the trans- to the word of God, right? We need to conform to the word of God. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. There's love through rejection. That was a great one, wasn't it? God wants to do immeasurably more in your life, but not loving the people that love you, but loving the people that you are that that are persecuting you, that are challenging you, that are irritating you. He wants you to to move with this indescribable love. He wants to bring increase in your life, but it comes through a place of release and he wants to bring fruitfulness in your life. But the fruit that he calls us to bring is only fruit his spirit can do in you and not that you can do in your own strength. He calls you to something that you can't do on your own this is the whole view from above beyond you this morning we're going to look at this last last one although i'm sure we can see many more in scripture but we're going to look at one in particular that's an interesting one an interesting one i'm going to read matthew 25 sorry 23 verses 1 to 12 just as an introduction and then i'll unpackage where we're going with it then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in, the, uh, sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for, the men, uh, for men to see. They make uh, phylacteri- sorry, phylacteries. There we go. Uh, wide and their tassels—that's the little box of scripture, right—that was on their foreheads and on their their hands. That—that's the phylacteries that they—they—they they, they, they want them very visible, right? Made them wide. Tassels on their garments, long. They love their places of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplace, and men call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you only have one master, and you are all brothers. And you do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven, nor are you to be called teacher for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant for whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The main point is found in verse 12, and this is where Jesus was pointing out the Pharisees, they they were they were showing this display of. They were exalted. They were super spiritual, right? They were the super spiritual elite of the day. But Jesus was saying, if you're going to exalt yourself, actually, you will be humbled. But if you humble yourself, there will come exaltation. God's plan for our lives is exaltation is to be exalted. You know that? His plan for your life is to exalt you. Now, we sometimes think, no. But it's we we can't be exalted. Well, actually, God's intention, if we look at the scripture closely, if we humble ourselves, God will exalt you. He wants you to be seated with him in heavenly places. He wants you to move in that place of being exalted. That's the intention God has for your life. He wants you to be in this space, but just as greatness and servanthood don't seem to go together equally exalted and being humble, don't see they seem to be a strange combination, don't they? To be exalted and to be humble, as being servant and greatness, they seem to be polar opposites of one another. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. Oh hold on, I thought I was going for greatness. No, you're going for servanthood. But in going for this, you get that. The same way if you want to be exalted, yes I want to be exalted, I want to I want to move in that place of influence and want to have the the authority and the power that God has for my okay, well you need to move in humility. You need to actually move in the opposite direction of what we're hoping for. Which seems to contradict everything in us, doesn't it? We want to be lifted up. Great. Then, then come bow down. Well, hm. That's a difficult one. In other words, if you want to be exalted. Yes, Lord. I don't, I think there's a loose connection here. If it does it some more, I'll change mics. Promise. In other words, if I want to be exalted, I must actually grow in humility. I want to be exalted, I must be humble. Now, hum, humility is a, is a challenging word, isn't it? It's a difficult one when we start to look at, am I a humble person? Hmm. In fact, it's much easier to see it in other people than to see it in ourselves. Because if we think we really are humble, we probably are not. Right? It's one of those virtues that's a little bit tricky as a believer to say, am I am I walking in humility? I am so humble. No, you're you're probably not. One Peter, when we look at one Peter, it it says it this way. Just we'll flip over there really quick. One Peter, chapter five, it says. Just reading, well, read right from verse five says young men in the same way, be submissive to those who are older, all of you clothe yourselves with humility Toward one another because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humility is a, cha- is a challenging virtue. But it's one that God calls us into. There have been moments in my life that I thought I was humble until God exposed the pride in my heart. I-, I share this. I've shared this in the past, but. When we first moved to, to Brighton, I, I, I really had a deep thinking in my spirit that I knew how to plant and lead a church. And all the things we'd heard about how difficult it was to plant a church in England was because they just didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> the English, us Canadians, we know where it's at. Well, you know what? I never said it and never voiced it, but it was there. There was a confidence, a self-confidence. Man, our church is going to rock. It's going to be church on the rock. Actually, that's what we called it, church on the rock. Uh, Interestingly enough, six months in and hardly anyone's coming to your church, you suddenly have a realization that, no, actually, I can do nothing without him. Actually, all my thoughts of having lights and having smoke and having, you know, uh, a great worship team and great preaching and you just put all the right ingredients together you market the church well you have the right package it will grow these thoughts what all the american church planting books say but england you guys are clever you don't buy into all of that stuff you're not like the americans it actually has to be something quite authentic It has to be something that's genuine. God actually has to be moving for there to be growth. And that was a challenge because I, I, we came from a ministry context where things, we added the smoke and the lights and the thing grew. That was as easy as that. That's all you needed was loud enough music and a good enough band and people will want to come to your church. But actually that's not true here. And rightly so. It shouldn't be true. The thing is, is that subtly pride Can be in our hearts. I don't know if you heard the statement that was made when the Titanic was being loaded. The statement said that even God himself couldn't sink this ship. Now, as history proves, yes, God can sink this ship. But the arrogance to think, actually, do you know what? We're above this. We we can do this. Hmm. Do you know what? God brings down those who are proud. Now, when we look at humility, and I think when we start to address it in our own lives, it's a tricky one, as I mentioned earlier. But there is grounds or there's peripheral things that we can see that are requirements to walk in humility. So in a sense, I think it's very difficult for us to say, all right, be humble without having a framework of what does that mean? What does it mean to be humble? All of us can have maybe different understandings. If I ask you the word, what does humble mean? I'm sure we'd have varying ideas of what that looks like and how that needs to be displayed in our lives. But really, when we, we look at these next few things, if those things are in play in our lives, we will be humble, okay? So in fact, it's not that our focus isn't trying to be humble, it's really trying to do these things and humility will be the byproduct of it or will be the result of it. Does that make sense? So the first one is humility starts with a correct perspective of who we are. Okay, humility is not thinking worse of yourself, and that is often a, a thought. We need to think worse of our, if I'm proud, I need to think worse of myself. I am such a bad person. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Oh, woe's me. What's the problem with that? The problem is that God doesn't define us that way. Well, we're not changing our identity in Christ, but walking in humility, where somehow we're just worthless dogs, you know, just out to the scrap heap. But we're just here. And somehow that is humility. That has, not, has nothing to do with humility. In fact, it can move in the opposite, being false humility. We're actually we, we feel so proud of how humble we are. Pride is kind of stuck underneath there because we're, we're trying to be the very thing that we think God is looking for. But actually, humility starts with seeing who we really are from the right perspective. Now I want us to understand this. This is who I am, okay? This is who you are. I am someone who's limited by knowledge. I know some of you might find that hard to believe, but I am. I'm limited by knowledge. Right, Donna? Right. <laughs> I'm limited in strength. There's only so much I can do. I'm limited by time. I'm walking through time as you are. I have no idea what's gonna happen tomorrow. I'm sorry guys, I don't. I have no idea what's gonna happen a year from now. I'm limited to this moment in time, as are you. I'm limited by space, I'm only here. I can't be in two places at once. I'm fallible, I make mistakes. How many could agree in your own life that you also make mistakes? Yes, I make mistakes. I don't always get it right. Can I tell you what? No person on this planet, not even the Pope himself, is infallible. Nobody is is beyond making errors. We all make mistakes. I'm mortal. This body, this flesh of mine, I came into this world. I was born a number of years ago, and at some point this this body will see decay. Unless Christ comes back before then. But there's, there's, there's a lifespan in my flesh I've got. I came into this world with nothing. I'll leave this world with nothing. This is who I am. I'm limited. Okay, that's me and that's you. Right? We would agree with that. But this is who God is. He is all powerful. He's all knowing. He's eternal. He's the beginning and the end. He created all things. He's everywhere present. He's the sustainer and giver of life. Okay, so this is me. Limited. Fallible. Small in, in even in my stature, this is God, bigger creator, sustainer of life. Now, I can stand tall and God is much taller. Yes, this is who I am, but this is who God is. You see, humility starts with the perspective of seeing who God is and who I am. I will always be this. God will always be that. And so if I think I'm bigger than God, there's a problem. I need to get my glasses changed. I've got something wrong with my vision, because if I look at the mirror of Christ, I see something different in myself. I see that he is bigger. He is greater. We have uh, this quote I came across by by Philip Brooks. He said this, the true way to be humble is not stooping until you were smaller than yourself. But to stand up your real height against something, some higher nature that will show you what the real smallest of your greatness is. I want to say it again. The true way to be humble is not stooping until you are smaller than yourself, but to stand at your real height against some higher nature that will show you what the real smallness of your greatness is. You see, humility comes from us understanding that God is infinitely greater. I can stand up strong and tall, but still see that God is bigger. And it keeps me in a perspective that actually he is he is above and beyond all things. But this is also the perspective I need to have or sorry. We also need to have a perspective of everyone else. We are equal in Christ. Christ destroyed every barrier that would otherwise cause an elevation in Galatians 3. We see this passage of scripture that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so when it comes to the perspective of my life compared to your life, we are all equal. It doesn't matter where you're from, the color of your skin. It doesn't matter. Your background It doesn't matter whether you're male or you're female. It does not matter because in Christ, we are all equal. And so if I have any thought that I'm superior to you, I am wrong. Christ says, I have broken every boundary that would otherwise separate you, that would otherwise cause an elevation where if I was, you know, again, this culture, this time there was slavery. Do you know what? God, he, he, he removed that aspect of slavery. Where one would be superior over the other. You see, humility starts when we properly see who we are and it helps us move towards a place of humility. But secondly, so it starts with this perspective. I I think it's difficult for me to walk in humility if I still think I'm bigger than God or if I think I'm greater than the person beside me. It's very difficult. This is a hinging point. If we start with a point of saying, no, no, but God, you are bigger. okay, well, now we can move down the road of humility. Because we realize if God is bigger and he's all knowing, he's all powerful, then actually I can depend upon him and it's not up to me, is it? The second all, it leads us into the second one, which is recognizing need. Our greatest deception is that I don't need help. I don't know if you've ever driven as a family or with someone especially during the, before the era of sat-navs, and uh, you get lost. And someone in the car says, let's ask for directions. I seem to remember this conversation a few times with Donna and I. It was me saying, Donna, let's stop and ask for directions. <laughs> and Donna being so proud, she said, no, Tyler, I believe in your ability to find our way. (laughs) Maybe that's not quite how it went. No, it often was. Donna would say, Tyler, why don't we stop and ask for directions? And I would say, no, I think I can find it. And a half hour later, we're still circling the block and finally conceding that I need help, right? I need help. You see, we have this thought that I can do this in my own strength. And even as believers, we fall into this trap. We, we have a giftedness. We have a strength. We have a talent We think I can do this. I can do this in my own strength. It's a subtle thought, but it's a thought of pride in our own hearts that I can do this. I don't need help. I've been caught in this many times. Even a fundamental thought, why do I need God and Alpha's is going on right now. And there's often this question, why do I need God? I, my life is all together. However, when we look at the scripture in one Peter, God opposes the proud. You know what? To say that I don't need God, I can do it on my own is like fighting words with God. Now, if we look at the perspective that God is all powerful and I am not, I'm picking the fright with the wrong person, the wrong entity. Right. He opposes me if I am standing opposed to God. I don't have a chance. You don't have a chance. Because what happens when everything is stripped away that we depend upon? You know, a lot of people say, I've got it all together. Why do I need, why do I need to trust God? Well, what happens when you don't have finances? What happens when your, your health fails? What happens when the family that you trusted in, something happens and it becomes fragmented? What happens when all the things that make you think that you are strong is stripped away? What happens then? We all need God. We were created to know God. We were created to be dependent upon God. That is why you are here on this planet. You were created to walk in humility to God, understanding that you are weak and he is strong. And when we don't understand that or we think in our futile thinking that we can do it in our own power, that we're big enough, we're strong enough. We're standing in opposition to God. And God brings us down to our size. Here's the promise, though, he gives grace to the humble, he gives his unmerited favor to those who simply acknowledge their need or their lack and dependence upon him. He gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. You see, we can stand and say, I don't need God. Well, I'm sorry. You do. But if we come to the place of saying, I need God, then God says, do you know what? I'm going to give you my favor. Hmm. What's the difference there? It's a change of attitude. It's a change of perspective, saying I need God versus I don't need him, right? There's this there's this change of thought. This is where salvation begins. When we are at a place of saying I don't need God, we can never come to a place of salvation. But at the point we say my life is nothing without Jesus. I need I need a savior. That's where salvation begins, right? I know some people who are so proud, even in their place of weakness, everything falling apart. They just will not bow their knee. And I just think it's foolishness. That is utter foolishness. People are on their deathbed resisting God. For what point? You can go to your grave fighting the very one. He just says, but just bow your knee. Do you know at the end of time, do you know the Bible says every knee will bow? Every knee will bow. If you don't bow your knee now, you will live your lifetime opposing the very God who created you. But one day your knee will bow. Do you know what? It's better to walk in his favor, be on his side than spend your whole life fighting him or opposed to him. Now, some of you say, oh, I'm not there. I'm I'm a believer. Uh, Yes. But sometimes we are still dependent on our own strength. You see, the third the third area. Is choosing to submit. Now, Jesus, he, he demonstrates this in his own life. Again, all of this is not something that God is asking something of us that Jesus didn't demonstrate what it looks like. We see in Philippians 2, verses 5 to 9. Sorry, 5 to 8 at this moment. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself. I want us just to grasp that thought process. This is Jesus. This is God humbled himself. And became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Became obedient Who is he obedient to? He was obedient to the Father. Remember the prayer before the crucifixion? Jesus says, not my will, but your will be done. This was Jesus humbling himself before the Father. It was, it was him saying, you know, I'm submitting to the will of the Father. You know, again, for you and for, for I, we, when God says, "I, I, I'm calling you to go left right now, but we said, you know what? I want to go right. And so I'm going to go right. We are basically saying in our attitudes and actions, we know best. Every time God speaks into our lives and challenges us with what he's calling us to submit to. But we choose to do our own way. It shows a pride in our heart saying, but I know best, God. I think I've got this one covered. Thanks for your input, though. Isn't this what Adam and Eve did? God said, I don't want you to touch this fruit. Serpent, gave a bit of a lie. Hmm. God says this, but I think we know best on this. They do it anyways. Pride is at the very heart of it, wasn't it? It's subtle and for all of us, it's very subtle. Pride seeks in very subtly. Can I just say that God is always right 100 percent of the time? If there is doubt in your mind with God is speaking to you and you think, "Mm, but I'm struggling with what God is speaking to me right now, can I just tell you he's right? Let's just stop the argument. Sometimes we fight God on issues but he's just right. Why are we so stubborn to not agree and just say, I'm going to submit to that? I might not like it. It goes against everything I would otherwise think. But I'm just going to say yes to you right now, because that is your plan. We submit to God. Humility is also submitting to one another. Ephesians 521 says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, we can't live our Christian walk. One, we can say, well, I'll submit to God, but I don't like, I don't want to submit to people around me. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. We clothe ourselves with humility towards one another. And so how we respond in submission to God and, and in that place of humility to God, He also is looking for that in our relationships with one another. It can't be my way or the highway. We have to be in a position of I'm submitting to you, you're submitting to me. No one is greater than one another. We choose to recognize the value of the people around us. We clothe ourselves with this humility. We put it on. In Romans 12, 10, it says, be devoted to one another and brotherly love honor one another above yourselves. It's just saying, you know, I look at the value of you and even though my position might be different than your position, it doesn't speak uh, I can still honor you, I can still submit to you, I can submit to one another. No one is above this. There's no place in the church that's above submitting to one another. Every role in the church is a place of humility. It needs to be. Now, it isn't always that way. And no one's immune. I'm not immune. Tomorrow, I might be the most arrogant, proudful pastor you've ever had. I hope that never happens. But the reality is, no one is immune from this, this seed of thought thinking, I have achieved something. I'm greater than, than you. Actually, no. We, as we read in our life groups, we need to think of each other with this, 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 Sober judgment. Actually, we've all been given the same, this measure of faith in Christ. And we mustn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Because it's all because of what Jesus has done. OK, I need to keep moving. This time is moving on. Lastly, is this. We need to await for God's exaltation. God desires to exalt you, but it must be done his way. The promise is God exalts the humble. We see this to be true in Philippians. And just going back to the finish this passage so he humbled himself even at obedient you know, to death, even death on the cross. Then verse nine says, therefore, God exalted him. Isn't that the same thing we read in Matthew? If we humble ourselves, we will be exalted. Jesus humbled himself, therefore was exalted. You know, what? Jesus humbled himself more than any other person in history has ever humbled themselves. And he's been exalted to the highest place anyone's ever been exalted. Because here's God has exalted him to the highest place. He gave him the name above every other name. That is, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God's plan for your life is to exalt you. But what does that mean, really? What does it mean to be exalted? God wants to be exalted is putting ourselves in a position where God can move through our lives to impact the world around us. Places of authority, places where where things can shift and change because of your life. Lifting you up, the challenge we have is we want to be exalted and we'll do it our way. or We'll do it the world's way. We want the praise and affirmation of the people around us. When God does the work, it comes when our character has been tempered through humility. So when we're exalted, we can still remain humble. See, the problem is when we exalt ourselves, our character is often the flaw, isn't it? Pride goes before the fall. We, we, we know this so well. And yet we all fall into the same trap. Yet when God exalts us, it comes at a point when our hearts are prepared for what he wants to do in our lives. And again, we look through scripture, we see it over and over again. We see the likes of, of um, Joseph. He, he had this vision of what God wanted to do. He was going to be exalted, but God needed to temper his heart. So when he came to the position of authority, he could show the love and mercy he needed to. He wasn't ready when he was a teenager. He needed to be put in prison for a while. Sometimes there's a humbling process that we need to go through so that God can raise us up in due time. He can lift us up in due course. We look at someone like David ran for his life. And yet God's purpose... He had anointed him to be king. Moses sat on the other side of the desert. God humbled his heart. But when he became the leader of Israel, we see in Scripture he was the humblest man in all on all the earth. Interestingly enough, it's viewed that he wrote that. <laughs> side note Still, point remains. There was a temperedness in his heart. He was humble. At the point that God called him and said, Okay, it's time now, Moses, he's like, No, I'm, I don't think I'm ready. You know what's interesting is that when we think we're ready, we're not ready. But when we come to that place of humility, we realize, I can't do this in my own strength. This is beyond me, God. Are you sure you're asking the right person? Okay, now you're ready. Because there's humility in your heart. You realize the perspective He's greater, you're smaller. You realize this is beyond me. You're calling me into something beyond me. You see, when we think we can do it, you're not ready. When it comes to leadership, when it comes to moving into the things of of His authority and His power, you know, often when we think we can do it, we're ready. Often it's a sign that we're not ready. I think every step that God has called us, me into, I think there, there's this, this, this been overwhelming sense of the further I go in my walk with the Lord, the more I realize I don't know. The more I realize I'm not the in my own strength, I can't do this. And the the more I realize that, the greater he can become in my life. In closing. It can be difficult to recognize our own humility, but we can recognize the signs that are there, that it's there. And so I just to end, I just want to ask a few questions, just, I guess, for our own reflection on this one. And the first one being is how do you see yourself in comparison to God and others? Really, honestly. Do you see other one, the people around you? Actually, we're all one in Christ. Or actually deep inside is there's this feeling of elevation. Second question. Do we acknowledge our needs that we have in our lives that only God can supply? Or right now, actually, is there this feeling that I can do it? I can do it. I've got what it takes. Are we able to submit to God's plan and to the wishes of others without grumbling and complaining? But actually, we we're, we're willingly submit. And are we waiting for God's exaltation instead of living for people's affirmation? Sometimes we live for people just to praise us. But really, if that's what we're living for, someone to pat us on the back, someone to say, you're doing a great job. If that's what we're living for, we're living for the wrong thing. We need to be waiting for God to lift up. God to say, well done. That keeps us in a place of humility. Again, we're we're living and ministering for an audience of one. I hope in some ways God has... God is moving in your heart and challenging you. And I think it's one of those things that. Throughout history, this area of pride and humility, it hits every person at some point. Some is very subtle. But for us, even this morning, it's coming to that place of saying, God, if there is some areas where I've begun to elevate myself, then I would just bring that before you, Lord. He is gracious, he's merciful. He's able to, to pick us up, but it takes us saying, "Hey God, I've had the wrong perspective, and today I lay it before you. I'm sorry. You know, it takes humility to admit that we're wrong. Some people will fight to the bitter end because they don't want to admit they're wrong. You know it's okay to say that I was wrong? I made a mistake. Maybe you're doing something even for the Lord, but you've done it kind of with a mindset that's maybe not quite right. God just wants to bring us to that place of humility this morning. Why don't you stand with me, please? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk